this time of year is a blur, right? Christmas is over before it even began. And especially for some of you Christmas freaks out there, okay, like you know who you are. For me, I'm one of those people who uh, Christmas music, it doesn't happen until after Thanksgiving. Okay, we get done with Thanksgiving, then Christmas music can happen, and then by New Year's, everything's done. No more music, no more trees, no more lights, and, I, and you know who you are, right? Like, you're going to be listening to Christmas music until March. Your lights will finally come down in June. Like, just stop it. Stop it. But Christmas is a blur, and, and it's not just this time of year. We really notice it this time of year, but it isn't just this time of year. Like, there's so many things in our lives that, that just go by in a flash. They don't last long enough. We wish they would last longer than our phone batteries, right? Gum. Okay, and I don't want to sound childish, but double bubble is the, yeah, it's the most amazing flavor ever, and it lasts for like three bites, and then it's gone. It's the worst, right? And, and, and naps, right? Like everybody loves naps. We want to take longer naps. Deodorant, right? Can I get an amen from all the mothers who have teenage boys? Yeah. As the youth pastor, I can amen that all day long, okay? If your teenager isn't wearing deodorant, but it still doesn't last long enough. We're surrounded by things that don't last. And so today we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at, at something and at, at someone who does. And so for this, this series, uh, he will be called, what we've been doing, we've been, been spending some time in this prophecy that was given to us by Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus came onto the scene. Right, and he, he shared this, this prophecy with us and in there he gives us some names that describe who Jesus is. His, his characteristics, his, his, his deity. It tells us all about who Jesus is, about this Messiah, the Savior of the, the, the world. And we've been unpacking that and looking at some of those uh, names that, that he gives us. And so let's, let's take a look at that verse one more time. This is our last time in the verse for, for this series. Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Now we're a little bit out of order here. I hope you guys, some, I hope you made it one of our Christmas Eve services where we where we covered Prince of Peace. But so we're going to go back a little bit, and today we're going to focus on Jesus as the Everlasting Father. What I want us to see today is that, that unlike all of those things that don't last long enough, all those things in our, in our life and in this world that, that fade away. I want us to see that Jesus never does. Jesus is eternal. And so we're going to dig into the the, the richness and the depth of Jesus as our eternal father. And the the first thing I want to say about this specific name is the everlasting father is far more accurately translated as father of eternity. Okay, it's more accurately translated as, as father of eternity. Jesus is literally the author of everything. For some of this, it might be a little bit confusing, right? When, when, we read this, when we read this verse and we're talking about this baby, this son that is going to be born, and then, and then we say he's going to be called eternal father. That doesn't quite add up. That doesn't quite make, make sense to us. But, but the Hebrew audience, to, to them, the, the, the original hearers of this, the, the, the word that was written for father wasn't necessarily paternal in meaning. Okay, it, had a, it had a different meaning. In, in fact, it, the Hebrew translation, it, it would have been translated father of eternity. And in this use, it means author, originator, okay, possessor, founder. So what we see is, here is Isaiah, he's using this term father to imply that Jesus 
is the originator or the author of eternity. So to put that more in context, in more modern examples would be like the founding fathers of our nation, right? Or James Madison is the, the, the founding father of our constitution, or Hippocrates, the father of, of medicine, right? All of these men, they, they started something, they pioneered something new in, and then they're known as the fathers of those things. So more clearly, Jesus is the author and the originator of everything, including the eternal. If we take a look at this, this verse in John chapter 1, most of us know this verse. This is a little bit different translation, but it says this. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So simply put, Jesus is forever because he invented forever. He is eternal. He is the everlasting because he is fully God, and he always was fully God. Now, there's more to it, though. Isaiah wasn't just saying that, that Jesus was eternal. He was prophesying here. He was prophesying that, that Jesus would be the, the pioneer of God's revelation for eternal life. Jesus was prophesying that there was going to be this, 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 this new creation, that, that God would reconcile him, him, his people to himself through Jesus. See, God loves us so much that he made a way through the everlasting Father, through this baby, for us to be with him forever, for eternity. And now our, our goal in this series hasn't, hasn't been just for us to, uh, to, to unpack it and look at it and say, and say, wow, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is marvelous. And that hasn't been our, our goal because what's even more amazing than, than those things is the fact that he doesn't want to keep that all to himself. Jesus doesn't want to keep all these amazing things to himself. He wants to give us his counsel. He wants us to live in his mighty power. He wants us to experience his perfect peace. And specifically today, I want us to, to close this series by, by showing that, that Jesus wants to share eternity with us. Look how it says this in the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. This isn't just something that, that, that was spoken to us, something that we read, something that we were, we were taught. It's planted deep within us. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. Jesus, the everlasting Father, plants eternity deep within our hearts. And maybe you've felt this way before. Maybe you, you've experienced that, that nagging feeling of like, there must be something more. There has to be something more than this. Something more than what this life has to offer. And you're right. And we were designed that way. We were designed to know that there is something more. We were designed to know that eternity is out there. It's so hard to wrap our minds around the idea of eternity though, right? Like, why is it so hard to, to grasp eternity? And I, and I think the, the easiest explanation is because our days are governed by time. 
right? Like we're constantly, like I panic if I need to know what time it is and I can't find my phone, right? There's, there's clocks all around us. Every, our appointments are by time. Everything we do throughout the day is on our calendars, on our planners. It's all done by time. And then we have to worry about our kids. Once you have kids, we've got to start worrying about all of their stuff going on. They're getting older. They're growing up way too fast. If you don't have kids, your friends and family, are, are, they're getting older, right? And time is just slipping away. Time is just fading away. And some of you may be thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Like this idea of eternity is really, really hard to grasp. And then maybe some of you are like, no, I know exactly what eternity feels like. Yeah, you know what eternity feels like. Or maybe if you've been around at Alpine long enough, you got to experience one of Pastor Steve's sermons. I can say that because he's not here anymore. So, But I'll call him later and tell him that I said it, so I'm not talking behind his back. You're like, yeah, I know what eternity feels like. In all seriousness, though, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that the idea of eternity seems pretty elusive. It seems, it's, it seems pretty elusive. It's difficult to wrap our minds around eternity. And the reason is because we're living in the here and now. Right? We are living in the here and now. Life comes at you so crazy fast. During the, during the, the week, it's, it's work and emails and tasks. And during the weekend, it's sports and hobbies and kids. And you've got all this stuff to plan into your day and all these things to take care of. But whatever's closest in our minds is what grabs our attention. That's what we, we, we tend to focus on. We have a mindset of living moment to moment. I don't know about you guys, but that, that living moment to moment, that, that going through the day and just trying to accomplish everything I need to get done for the day can be exhausting. It can be exhausting. And then eternity? I don't got time to think about eternity. Ain't nobody got time for that. We need to think about right now. And then we tend to think of eternity as, as something we'll deal with later, <laughs> like way later, like when we die later. And then when we do think about it, there's so many different ideas. We have so many different thoughts about what eternity is going to be like. And this whole idea about eternity and the everlasting, it makes us think. It makes us think like what in this life would we want to experience forever? Like maybe there's a time, a moment in your life, an, an event, something that you can pinpoint and, and look back on and be like, I wish I could live in that time forever. I wish I could experience that moment forever. Or maybe there's somebody in your life, somebody that pops into your mind that's, that's, that's passed on, and you think, man, I really wish I had a little more time with them. I wish I could spend some more time with that person. Maybe for some of us, we look back on our life and it's like, I really wish I would have done more. And then we're left wanting. We're left wanting more. I don't know about you guys, but I want something deep and abiding in my life that lasts longer, that means something, that means more than this time here on earth. I think we all feel that. Like, I, I truly believe that the, the everlasting tugs at every one of us. It's always there just nagging and tugging at us because God made us that way. He has planted it in us. There has to be more. There has to be more than 401Ks and cars and big houses and stupid pandemics. There has to be more. 
that outlasts all of this other stuff. The Apostle John, he, he, he speaks of this. He knows this personally. He says this in, in 1 John. We want to tell you about the one who was from the beginning. We have seen him with our own eyes, heard him with our own ears, and touched him with our own hands. This one is the manifestation of the life-giving voice, and he showed us real life, eternal life. We have seen it all, and we can't keep what we witnessed quiet. We have to share it with you. We are inviting you to experience eternal life through the one who was, through the one who was with the Father and came down to us. So John is giving us a, a pretty clear picture here of, of Jesus being the giver of real eternal life. But he's not, he doesn't just marvel at it. He doesn't end there. He's not just sharing information. He's not just saying, hey guys, just, hey, just so you know, Jesus is marvelous. He's actually inviting us to do something about it. He's inviting us into a relationship with Jesus, with the eternal Father, so that we can spend eternity with the living God. See, for those of us who think about eternity as, as something that, that, is, that is way out there, then it is elusive. It is hard to, to wrap our mind around it, but John speaks boldly against that mindset here. He says, no. No, we've, we've seen Jesus the eternal. We've heard him. We've touched him. Like, eternal life isn't just some product of, of this intangible, mystical reality. Jesus, the author of eternity, came down to us in the flesh. We saw him, we heard him, we touched him, we were there with him. Jesus, what he did on this earth, it gives us a deeper understanding of, of what eternity looks like, both now and, and what's to come. That's pretty unbelievable. That's pretty miraculous to think that the one true God would invite us into an eternal relationship with him. And not just that, he invites us to be part of his work here on earth. He invites us to be part of making an eternal difference in the lives of his sons and daughters. God invites us to be part of what he is doing here on this earth. Jesus, the eternal father, invites all of us to participate in what he's doing in the world. And so what does that, what does that mean for us? Right, what does that look like for us? This idea of eternity, like that's cool and all, but how does that affect me right now? So what I want to do, I want to I take a look at a, at a few different ways that we can experience the eternal Father, Jesus, in our lives today. First way is this. Jesus, the author of eternity, gives us eternal joy. Jesus gives us a joy that is, that is deep, that is sustaining, that's not rooted in our emotions or in our circumstances, right? There's a huge difference between happiness and joy, right? There's a huge difference. Happiness is all about what's going on in our life right then, right? It's all about the emotions and the feelings that we have that, that come from our current circumstances, whatever's happening right then. Joy has nothing to do with our feelings or our circumstances. Joy comes from something so much deeper than ourselves, Joy is rooted in a, in a higher power. It finds itself in, in, in from a source that's greater than ourselves. Joy allows us to look back on those difficult situations. 
For some of us, that's very distant. For some of us, we're living in those difficult situations right now. Joy allows us to look at those situations of, of fear and of anger and of pain and of grief and of sorrow, and it gives us the confidence to push past those things. It gives us the confidence to move past those circumstances. It helps us see that God is moving even in the midst of those trials, even in the midst of our pain and our suffering and our hurt. God is moving in those circumstances. This joy means that our greatest losses aren't the end of our story. Our greatest losses are not the, the end of our, our, our story. Our greatest longings won't go unfulfilled. And our greatest mistakes don't define us. Not past us, not present us, not future us. Our greatest mistakes do not define us. And that's pretty dang good news. I'll tell you, for me, that's, that's really good news. Our circumstances, our pain, our sorrow, those things do not get the last word. They don't get the last word in our lives, and that's an eternal joy. And the one that's offering that to us is, is Jesus. It's Jesus, the eternal Father. Jesus fills us with a sustaining joy. Second way we get to experience the eternal Father is through his love. Through his love. Jesus, the author of eternity, gives us eternal love. Jesus offers us a, a love that has no bounds. It has no measures. He offers us a love with no conditions, no limits. He just loves us unconditionally. That means that we're safe with him. We're safe with Jesus. It means that, that he loves us just as we are, not as we ought to be. Okay, and let's, let's be real. The truth is none of us are who we ought to be because of sin. Right, and sin is just that, that really churchy word, right? And in its most simplest form, it just means going your own way instead of God's way. Right? Like we know what God would want us to do. We know what God would rather have us choose, but we, we choose our own way. Instead, that's all sin is. But because of sin, none of us are who we ought to be. But Jesus loves us anyway. He sees us in the midst of our sin and our rebellion and our hurt and our anger. And he doesn't hold us against it or hold it against us or judge us. Instead, he gives his love to us. We are his beloved. Now, Jesus will correct us <laughs> from time to time. Right, just like we have to do with our own children, Jesus will, will let us know sometimes, but, but, but what that means is we don't have to fear that our mistakes are going to cause Jesus to turn his back on us. We don't have to, to fear that, that our mistakes are going to leave us in rejection or, or, or in judgment. Because in Jesus, we're, we're safe, we're at home, and nothing can separate us, not even death. Right, that's eternal love. The third and final way that, that Jesus, the author of eternity, that we can experience that is through an eternal purpose. Okay, Jesus gives us an eternal purpose, this kind of steadfast purpose that, that recognizes in all of us that we are made in the image of the Almighty God. Every one of us were created in the, the image. We, we bear his image and his, his likeness. 
And our goal in this life isn't just to, to hold on for dear life, right, for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Please, God, no, I'm going to be the honoriest, just old man. Like it's so. But that's not our goal in life. That shouldn't be our goal in life, to live it out and then at the end go on to heaven. Like as a believer in Christ, that should not be our goal. Jesus says you have eternal purpose. You are made in my image and you are called to join me in my work. You're called to help me and be part of me redeeming and restoring the world. Like could, there, could there be any greater purpose for our life? Could there be any greater calling on us than to help Jesus redeem the world. Jesus says, I want, I, want, I want you to usher in eternity to those around you. Right now, wherever you're at, wherever life has you, I want you to help me make an eternal impact on those people I've placed in your life. By helping people pursue God. That's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and, and make disciples. When Jesus calls us to this purpose, he's, he's, he's actually calling us to, to to live to the, to the fullness of what we were created to be. To go out and show people who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Jesus always did this. Jesus always viewed, he viewed everything through an eternal lens. Right? He always had an eternal perspective. Every, whatever was going on in his life, the craziness that surrounded Jesus day to day, none of that interfered with his mission. Jesus always viewed this eternally. And I get it. Like naturally in life, we're, we're pulled to, to look for instant gratification. Right? We're pulled to, to look for, for substitutes to a fulfilling life, our job, our hobbies, kids, money. Right? All of those things are good things. They can be good things. But Jesus calls us to something far greater than those things. He calls us to a, to a higher purpose. At, at some point in, in Jesus' ministry, his disciples, they, they pull him aside and they ask him, hey, how should we pray? How should we pray? Right? And, and Jesus' response is where we get the Lord's prayer. He's our Father who art in heaven. Right? He, says, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. The picture Jesus paints is very clear. Eternity is now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. There's not a separation of the two. He combines the two. See, our prayer isn't, hey, help me, help me get through this life and, and make it to eternity when I die. Like it's a whole new thing. No, it's, it's, it's in us. It's wired into us to usher eternity into our lives and into every part of our lives, into our marriages, into our, our communities, into our neighborhoods, into our, our families, into our places of employment to show people to point people to Jesus. See, when we understand this, all of life becomes purposeful. All of it. It's not just about my personal life. It's not just about my church life. But every part of my life becomes part of this eternal purpose. Every meal, every relationship, every conversation, every dollar spent. It all has an eternal purpose. Our purpose is, is far greater than just our, our limited time on this earth. 
Right? Our purpose is to, is to partner with God in, in making an, an eternal impact. Our purpose is to help people pursue God, to, to, to make disciples. Listen, we talk about that all the time at Alpine, but it's not just an Alpine thing. Right? This is a God thing. In the Great Commission, God commanded us to go out and make disciples. Our eternal purpose is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who will then go and lead people to become fully loved followers of Jesus Christ. <laughs> we want to make disciples who make disciples. That's what we've been called to do. So today, can we, can we challenge ourselves? Can we maybe make, even if, even if you want to call it a New Year's resolution, Right? Not one of those crappy ones that like, you just give up on in a month or two. Can we, can we challenge ourselves? Can we commit to doing something meaningful, to make a commitment to live eternally, to stop focusing on those things that are fading away, on those short-term things in our lives, to stop living for the temporary, for those things that won't last the Apostle Paul, he, he said this to the, the church in Corinth, and, and this church, like they were, they were pretty well known for, for chasing after the, the temporary things. Paul says this, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Right, like, we, I get it. To, to fix your eyes on the eternal, it's not, that's not easy to do. It's extremely difficult, in fact, to, to, to think about eternity. It's easy to glance at the eternal, right? It's easy to kind of get a, a snapshot, to get a glimpse of the eternal, but then we naturally turn our focus back to what's in front of us, right? Our, our, our circumstances, our, our, our jobs, our, our lives, our marriage, our things that are, are going on, we, we turn our focus back to those things. And we get wrapped up, and then maybe we miss an opportunity to make an eternal impact. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't live like that. Instead, fix your eyes on the author and the originator of the eternal. See, when you do that, when we begin to live our, our lives with a, with a greater purpose, we begin to see not only ourselves but others in a different light. And then it's not just a, a joy, it's eternal joy. It's not just love, it's eternal love. It's not just purpose. It's eternal purpose, fixing your eyes on the eternal, it, it's, it takes intentionality, right? Like, you have to be intentional about it. You have to say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go after. I am going to, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be intentional in my marriage. I'm going to be intentional in leading my kids. I'm going to be intentional about telling my family and my friends about Jesus. I'm going to be intentional in my mentoring relationships. Like, you have to be intentional about it. In Matthew's gospel, just at the very beginning of the story, we, we meet the Savior of the world. The one prophesied about in Isaiah, we, we meet this, this child, and we see, right off the bat, we see there's something special, there's something unique about this baby. We see that he is Emmanuel, right? He is God with us. And at the very end of, of Jesus' mortal life, just before his, his death and, and resurrection, he gathers his disciples together, and he says something very powerful, very important to them. Right, he's, he's just finished giving them the, the great commission, telling them to go out and make disciples. And he says this, he says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I'm with you always, even to the very 
end of the age. See, this, this everlasting father, he's not off on some distant planet somewhere. Okay, he's not off distantly watching us try to get our, our lives together. Right? He doesn't just set us free and, and then leave us. Jesus is part of our lives every day right now through the Holy Spirit. He's part of our lives right now, and he wants us to make an impact. He wants to use us to make an impact. He says, this, 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 eternity, this eternity idea, I want you to be part of it with me. I want you to partner with me. I want you to go out with me and make a difference. I want you to join me in helping people find their way back to God, every single one of us, all of us, no matter what our story is, no matter what our history looks like, Jesus wants to use you to make an eternal impact in people's lives right now. And so will, will we join Jesus in, in redeeming and, and, and restoring the world? Like what, what a privilege that is. What a privilege the mighty God calls us to to partner with him to make an eternal difference. And so may we be a people who, who don't just want a glimpse of the eternal, but may we be a people who instead fix our lives on it. We fix our lives on the eternal. We make our choices. We make our decisions. We live as if we're living in eternity now. And we do everything in our power to love God and to love others. Because when we do that, when we live our life that way, it changes everything.